My name is Hannah Bloomquist, um, and I'm the resident director of Andreas and the Student Apartments. Um, it is always such a privilege to be with you guys. Um, it's such a gift to work here with all of you. Um, so today I will be doing the second talk in our series on human identity and sexuality. Um, and tomorrow night, Amy Bird will be doing an event in the chapel at 8 p.m. on men and women in the word, um, and that will be for chapel credit. And then she will be wrapping up our series on Friday, talking about friendship. So before I talk about loneliness, I'm going to ask that we pray again, because this is a hard topic. So pray with me. Lord, please go before me this morning. Please allow your truth to comfort us in our loneliness. And would you strengthen our relationship with you this morning? Amen. So back in July, I popped into Grant's office, and we were talking about this week in chapel, um, dealing with topics of sexuality, relationships, personhood. And he's like, what else do you feel like our students should hear? You know, what have you been mulling over? And the first thought that came to mind was loneliness, um, because not only had I had multiple conversations with many of you, but also myself and many of my friends were walking through that. And he was like, great, so we're going to have you speak on loneliness in chapel. I was like, you sneaky mom. Um, I was like, I'll pray about it, which then I started to suggest other topics and speakers for this week. He's like, Bloomquist, why do you keep trying to get out of this? I was like, because every time I do a chapel or a talk or a devotional, the subject that I'm talking about becomes amplified in my life in a way that I would never choose, even if it leads to growth. Um, when I did fear last year, I have never been so plagued by fear. Um, and I just don't want to feel lonely. Or at least I didn't want to feel more lonely than I already felt. And he very empathetically said, I hear you, but you're not getting out of this. Um, and I am thankful that he encouraged me towards this. But I was right. Uh, the last couple of months have not been easy. And at times, it has felt like the Lord was dealing me a somewhat poisonous dosage of loneliness. And so I feel like next time, I am due to speak on, like, treasure or blessing or wealth. <laughs> so a couple of days after I was voluntold to speak on loneliness, I opened up Paul David Tripp's devotional, New Morning, Mercy, New Morning Mercies, to July 24th, and I read the following introductory questions. Do you feel lonely today? Are there ways in which you feel alienated and unloved? Do you feel misrepresented or misunderstood? Do you feel passed by and taken for granted? Do you feel broken and in need of repair? Do you struggle to find reasons to continue? Do you wonder if it's worth it? Does it seem that there is no one to share your heart with? And do you sometimes wonder whether anyone cares? When the waves of loneliness and discouragement roll over you, where do you run? Where do you hide? Ugh. As I read those questions, I felt like either currently um, or at some point in my life, I could say yes to every single one of those. But I didn't quite know what to do with it. And as I share this with you, I need to confess that the last three months of preparing for this talk, I have not solved loneliness, and I cannot offer you a solution. So sorry. Um, what I can offer you are some reflections on my own experience and continued journey with loneliness and the ways in which the Lord is speaking into my life and shaping me to himself. And I know that each of you 
right here, right now, might have different experiences with loneliness because you have your own story. And so I know I won't be able to touch on every situation. But I do pray that there might be aspects of my own story that would resonate with you and that you would be encouraged. And if anything, in all irony, that you would know that you are not alone in your loneliness. As I have been reading and studying scripture and different books and articles, consulting friends and mentors and some of you, in hopes of gaining a better understanding of this topic, there have been four realities or truths of loneliness that have surfaced and have helped me to dispel some of the myths that our culture pervades. And I'm sure that there's more than four, but these four realities that I'm going to share with you have helped counter the lies that the enemy tries to whisper to me when I am in the trenches of loneliness. And the first reality is that it can be distinct from isolation. You don't actually have to be physically alone and friendless in order to feel lonely. You can feel lonely in a crowd of people, living on a hall with a bunch of your friends, or in the great hall surrounded by your peers. And if we associate loneliness solely with being alone, then we can begin to fear being alone, leaving no space for solitude or silence. We become accustomed to filling our day, making plans and accepting plans, even when we're exhausted, so we don't appear antisocial. And then when we aren't with people, we Snapchat, we swipe through Instagram, allowing the number of likes we get to determine our level of connection with others. We allow pornography and raunchy TV shows to temporarily give us the illusion of intimacy. We can maybe use Netflix or video games to drown out the silence, trying to deny any possible thoughts of loneliness from entering in. And yet we can do all of these things and still feel lonely. There would be times when I would be driving home, hanging out with a great group of friends, and a flood of loneliness would overwhelm me which honestly felt really confusing and frustrating. So what is loneliness, and why do we feel this way? Loneliness is difficult to define because it can vary from person to person and experience to experience, but I do think that for many, loneliness is an indicator that something is missing or disconnected. At its root, it is the desire for deep connection, for intimacy, and for companionship. God created us to be in communion with others, but full, and complete satisfaction in our community would only be experienced with him in heaven, which is why we feel the pangs of those unmet longings here on earth. Indeed, we are created for this desire and this need to be known and loved by others, but it is only in our union with Jesus that we are fully known and fully loved. And this means that all other relationships need to be filtered through this truth. Um, and when we do that, we actually alleviate unhealthy expectations to be fully satisfied by other people, which can allow for greater freedom and joy in our relationships and in turn comfort us in our loneliness. The second reality um, of loneliness is that it will not be solved this side of heaven. This one initially sounds really hopeless. I was talking with Emily Ballant a couple of weeks ago about how to articulate this, and she was like, what if you're just really brutally honest? And you're like, you know, you're probably going to be lonely the rest of your lives, so we should talk about it. <laughs> I was like, that's going to make me real popular. <laughs> um, but it is true. We are most likely all going to struggle with varying degrees and experiences of loneliness at different points throughout our lives, and it will not be solved here on earth. And actually, I don't think that the Lord intended for our loneliness to be solved this side of heaven but I do think he has purpose for it. One purpose 
is that our loneliness can drive us to long for Christ and his kingdom. Think about it. If we experienced complete satisfaction in all of our longings and relationships here on earth, I doubt very much that we would long for heaven. The last couple of months, I have never longed for Jesus more. I have literally woken up most mornings with the ache of loneliness and a twinge of anxiety, and the first words out of my mouth are, Lord, I need you. And I can honestly say that in my fears and my feelings of disconnection, I have never felt so desperate for my connection with my Heavenly Father and friend. Our loneliness keeps us restless, striving for relationships with others, striving for deeper intimacy with Christ, and striving for our ultimate home in heaven. The other purpose is that our loneliness can create in us deep empathy and awareness of others. Those who have gone through suffering are better able to have a vision to recognize people who are suffering. Jesus was arguably the loneliest person that ever walked the earth. Isaiah 53.3 tells us that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Our loneliness is not unseen and unknown by our God. In her book, Finding God in My Loneliness, author Lydia Brownback writes, He chose loneliness so that he might relieve ours. Jesus took on all our loneliness at the cross, where he was left alone to die, cut off from his beloved Father. He knows the agony of our loneliness, which we hear in his cry from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was forsaken, we are not. In this season, I feel like the Lord has allowed me to more clearly see those who are struggling in their own experience of loneliness, to see the ones who are struggling to make friends, to see the ones who have lost, lost a family member or a friend, to see the one whose spouse has left them or passed away, to see the elderly who might have experienced all of the above, to see, see those who struggle with same-sex attractions, working through the realities of what a faithful life might look like, to see those unreciprocated in their desires for relationship. He has deepened in me an empathy and has compelled me to pray for them. And it is amazing how the Lord has allowed the prayer for others to lift and strengthen my own heart. The third reality is that feeling lonely is not wrong. It took me quite a bit of while to tell someone that I was struggling with loneliness. I didn't always know why I felt lonely, so I felt really foolish trying to articulate it to somebody else. I also feared other people's reactions. I didn't want to be pitied, and I didn't want someone to now feel like they had to fix me. I felt really ungrateful for feeling lonely. I had a great job and family and friends. What more could I ask for? I felt ashamed in my relationship with Jesus that I wasn't fully satisfied in him. I would think to myself, what am I doing wrong? Even when people in my life would tell me that feeling lonely wasn't wrong, I almost wanted it to be the result of something wrong so that I could fix it and put an end to it. Now here is the reality. We are all broken human beings affected by sin. And so even if feeling lonely and disconnected is not wrong, it is possible that we might be perpetuating it. And this is why we need to invite God and others into our life to examine ourselves for unrepentant sin and unhealthy habits that might be affecting our relationship with the Lord and other people. If you notice that people are continually pulling away from you, it might be worth examining if you are driving people away. Are you usually the one in a friendship who does all the talking and loads all your problems but doesn't mutually ask questions or listen? Do you have expectations of being known and loved by others but you rarely, if ever, open up your own life? If we suspect that these might be true, 
we are not beyond the grace to ask for forgiveness and the ability to grow in more fruitful and healthy approaches to connection. But there are also times when we are not doing those things that are perpetuating our loneliness. And the Lord still allows us to go through these seasons of feeling disconnected and longing for more. Before sin had even entered the world, the Lord allowed loneliness to be felt. Adam's loneliness was God's doing, and God did it so that Adam and all human beings after him would yearn for relationship. Not just in a spouse, but in a parent-child relationship, in a friendship, in a mentor-mentee relationship, and above all, so that we would yearn for companionship in our union with Christ. Our loneliness is not wrong, but rather the Lord often uses it to strengthen our dependence upon him, to provide for our God-given needs in a way that we could not dream up or manipulate into existence. And the fourth reality is that loneliness doesn't have a type. What I mean is that it is not limited to those who are single and of a certain meritable age. There is a narrative going around in our culture, and unfortunately in our church as well, that when we refer to those who are lonely, we automatically think of someone who is single, living alone, with only feeling friends for company. And in preparation for this talk, um, I've actually been carting around a couple of books with the word loneliness in big print on the front. And I was in a coffee shop reading one of these books, and this older woman came up to me, and she's like, what are you reading about? I was like, loneliness. And immediately she was like, oh, honey, you know, the Lord has someone for you. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, and it was a sweet sentiment, but I was amazed at how quickly loneliness was attributed to being single. When we fall prey to this type of thinking, um, we incidentally dismiss anyone else who might be feeling lonely, whether they are single, dating, married, parents, or grandparents. Um, I've literally heard people say to those who are in relationships and have expressed a struggle with feeling disconnected, well, at least you have a boyfriend, or at least you have a girlfriend, as if a dating relationship is the solution to all longing and loneliness. I've encountered those who are married who realize that their spouse doesn't fill their relational needs, and yet their friends have stopped pursuing them, but when they articulate their loneliness, people have responded by saying, well, at least you got married. In Brownback, she writes in her book, single or married, young or old, man or woman, everyone experiences loneliness at various times and to varying degrees. No one is exempt. We were created for togetherness, which is why, even before the fall, God declared that man's aloneness was not good. And immediately after this declaration, he created marriage. But marriage was never intended to be the ultimate eternal remedy for loneliness. And that's why the unmarried aren't doomed in this regard. God created human beings with a capacity for loneliness so that we would yearn and find all our all in him. Married or single, young or old, rich or poor, we cannot fix our loneliness, but we can put it to use. And the real question is, are you willing? Willingness is possible only by replacing the lies we believed with the truth. So now that we have these four realities, these truths about loneliness that replace the lies, what do we do with it? And like I said before, I don't have the solution or the cure, but the Lord has been teaching me and reminding me of three responses in our times of loneliness, which are honestly responses that all believers at all times are called to practice. However, I have found myself needing to be reminded and attentive to these responses, even more so when I am in a season of loneliness. And the first response is to remember and to remind. Remember what is truth, ask others to remind you of truth, and remind others of truth. One of my professors in undergrad would tell his students, 
preach the gospel to yourself every day and then preach it to someone else, reminding each other that you have a God who is always with you. Now, in all honesty, when somebody would tell me, Hannah, you're not alone. God is with you. For a while, it felt like it was a cop-out answer that invalidated my loneliness, and it wasn't really comforting. Yes, I know that God is with me, but I don't always feel him. I don't always see him, and I don't understand why he would allow me to feel this way. However, after being continually reminded of this truth that God was with me, what I realized is that I associated the presence of God with feeling comfortable and at ease. It is easy for me to acknowledge and claim the presence of the Lord when things seem to be going well for me. But when I look at scripture, the times when the presence of the Lord is claimed the most is when his people are desperately lonely and afflicted. Recalling the presence of God in our lives is not intended to invalidate the experience of loneliness we might be facing. Rather, it is a full acknowledgement that loneliness is very real. It is a type of suffering, and it is not easily remedied. It requires the presence and the intervention of a great physician. Let us also remember what we have been given. Like I said earlier, I do not think that loneliness is a result of a lack of gratitude, but remembering and practicing gratitude is one of the prescriptions God gives us to help soothe our lonely souls. But sometimes this act of remembering is not easy to do on our own. And the beautiful thing is that the Lord designed us to be living reminders of the gospel to each other, created us to thrive in community and to speak the truth into each other's lives. And some of you might be saying in your head, I know, and that's what I want, but I'm not getting that from others, hence why I feel lonely, which is really hard. And I can tell you from my own experience that it is okay and sometimes necessary to ask people to remind you of what is true about God and about yourself. This does require vulnerability. And yet for me, instead of sitting in the hurt I was feeling because my needs I had not yet articulated weren't being met, I decided to open up to a couple of friends and ask them to speak truth to me, which was incredibly helpful and exceeded my expectations. And as you ask others to re be reminders for you, you also have the privilege and the responsibility to be a reminder for others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 tells us that Christ suffered so that he might comfort us in the midst of our sufferings so that we too might comfort others in their suffering with the comfort we receive from Christ. When we comfort others in their suffering, it can serve as a healing balm for our own affliction. Remember what is truth. Ask others to remind you of truth and remind others of truth. The second response is to know you are chosen and so choose. We've acknowledged that the enemy loves to feed off of our loneliness and use it to convince us of the lies about our worth and our identity. In our own loneliness, um, I am tempted to believe this string of narratives that say you're not enjoyable to be around. You will always love others more than anyone will love you. You're not worthy to be chosen. But the Lord tells us in John 15:16 that you are chosen. This passage was particularly impactful this last summer as several of my friends, and myself included, had literally uttered the words, I just want to be chosen. Whether it be for a relationship, friendship, or job, we were all struggling with feeling lonely or rejected or forgotten, and we just wanted to be chosen. And I would venture to say that most of us, if not all of us, have experienced the longing or desire to be chosen for something or by someone, particularly when we are suffering loneliness. And honestly, I don't think these are inherently bad desires. I think that, for the most part, it's part of being human, and they're created within us. Um, I was reading this devotional, though, and, and the author asked, 
what is the one thing that you think will take away your loneliness? Is it having a best friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, a number of kids? Are you fixated on that one thing to where you neglect recognizing the other ways that the Lord is perhaps speaking into your loneliness? When I try to alleviate my loneliness by hoping specific people will choose and pursue me, I become blinded from recognizing the other ways I am being chosen by God and acknowledging other people who are already pursuing me and caring for me and choosing me. This passage doesn't end with the Lord saying, I chose you. It continues and it gives us a directive. It says, I chose you and I appointed you that you would bear fruit and love one another. We are chosen so that we would abide in Christ and choose others. Lonely or not, you have been called to choose others, to die to yourself, to show hospitality, to practice vulnerability, to ask other people questions about their lives, and to pray for one another. He chose us. He has united himself to us so that we would bear fruit and that we would choose others. You might be sitting here saying to yourself, Hannah, I feel like I am remembering and I'm reminding others. I know that I'm chosen and I'm choosing others, and yet I still feel more lonely than ever. Which brings me to my third response, to wait on the Lord. The call to wait on the Lord is not given to the, just the lonely, but rather to all believers. However, I have found um, myself more keenly aware of my need to wait on the Lord when it feels harder to be hopeful. Counter to cultural belief, which places waiting in the same category as apathy, waiting on the Lord is one of the most active and courageous endeavors we can practice. To wait on the Lord means to abide in him, to be faithful and obedient to his word. It means to submit our desires to his ways and to trust in his plan instead of trying to take control and wield situations in order to feed our own whims. Waiting on the Lord means to take him at his word and to expect that he will deliver on his promises. And it has been in my waiting that I have had some of the most honest and frank conversations with the Lord pleading with him to speak into my loneliness and provide. And it is in those conversations that I feel the Lord binding myself to him. Waiting on the Lord also means to listen to him, to listen to him through the reading and the preaching of his word, and to faithfully participate in a church, which one author describes the church as the divinely appointed provision for our loneliness. Walking through loneliness is not easy, and like many other sufferings and challenges in our lives, it requires us to trust in the Lord, to trust and open our tightly clenched fists and patiently anticipate the ways that the Lord will fill them with his good things. And when we are overtaken by loneliness and we don't know what to do, we do the next most faithful thing. We wait on the Lord. Pray with me. Lord, please help us in our loneliness to remember and to remind to know that we are chosen and so choose others and to wait on you, knowing that with you in heaven, our loneliness will be no more. Amen.